Jason Fury. Yup. Did you know that in Akira Kurosawa's 1950 Rashomon, that the frequent use of dappled um, spotted light that you see coming through the trees in the uh, in many scenes was actually the uh, the product of three mirrors that were taken from the from the um, wardrobe department. I thought you were going to say Indiana Jones or something like that. The three mirrors that make the light. But that was way later. Oh, you're talking about in the... What was it? The the Well of Souls? Yeah, where the lights like show the way and the mirrors adjust and stuff. Right. But that was in the 80s. This is in the 50s. Yeah, they apparently... This is in 1950, the dawn of the 50s. Jeez. Um, and I, and I guess, I guess, yeah, they, all that pretty light was just three mirrors. You were just seeing. three mirrors. That's interesting. I did notice it was very like romantic and shimmery, and couldn't quite figure out where you know, very like rainforesty vibes. Um, but no, I didn't. I mean, I didn't know that. I didn't know that device. I, I do know that these older movies, we've been watching them and covering them a little bit more lately, have just interesting tricks. You have to be creative. You can't just be like, oh, we'll figure it out in post. Um, I think filmmakers are getting lazier because you can just correct any mistake with a digital manipulation. But back in 1950, you couldn't pull that shit off. You had to be a little bit more specific, a little bit more creative. So yeah, I like that kind of stuff. That's a good one. Yeah, kind of kind of cool little. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't mind movies being a little rough around the edges, the film grain or a shot that's a little wonky or something a slip. You're like, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to look like an Avengers movie or something. It's just like, it's cool. It's a lost art. Well, that's it's celluloid. It's a physical, it's a physical thing that you're dealing with, yeah, and. You know, now it's like you said. You could just you could do whatever you whatever you want. You could shoot just like a really pretty half-assed movie, and then in, in post-production, you could just make it pretty entertaining. You know, you just kind of weasel around it, so you have a lot yep. of insurance, like a lot of creative insurance, to get away with it. So, I don't know if that's better or worse. Probably gonna go with worse. Uh, kind of like Disney just doing like CGI animated movies instead of hand-drawn movies, like definitely for the worse there's there's some quote that it's like you know it what is it like lim- limitations or parameters breeds ingenuity or something like that right um, it's true some people have have likened that to the original star wars versus the prequels but that's right. another conversation that's another conversation but yeah you give them the tools and then so you just give them tape, glue, and pencils and say, hey, make a movie instead of just like, we'll figure it out later. Right. Right. Yeah. But, you know, that's just technique and style at the end of the day. Is the story good is what you're looking for? Are the characters good? That's why I get worried about things. Like, you know, they're talking about all these new Star Wars movies and Lord of the Rings on Amazon. And it's like, okay, the name Lord of the Rings, for example, and the world is cool but the the whole point of Lord of the Rings, the whole why we love it, are the characters and their story and what they went through. So like, just being in the setting, I'm not sure that's quite enough. <laughs> but I think 
the more we go down fandom and stuff like that, that seems to be enough for a lot of creators. I think the latest Jurassic Park movie is a good example of that. Sure, you got the three awesome actors from the original movie back, but you didn't do shit with them. Like, they're there, and that's good enough for most people. They're like, I know them, let's do this. But if you don't write they a good said the, story... They said the thing, they did the thing. Yeah, I said, they did it, whoa, yeah. They did the thing, they winked, they said the line. Yeah, but it's like, that's not enough, you lazy, lazy filmmakers. Like, you have these golden opportunities to, you know, we're in a dawn. Like, I will say, I'm being negative. Uh, Top Gun Maverick is an exception that's a movie that would be so so easy to do those winks and nods and just be a cheap ass movie but they just they they handled it with care they gave us interesting characters with big stakes and pushed it forward a little bit while still nodding to the past so I think I don't know I think we were just talking about Rogue One for example like that's a great way to do it Top Gun Maverick's a great way to do it but then you get other things like the new Jurassic Park or the new Ghostbusters where the, the old cast just shows up and like, look at me, baby. And then they don't, there's no story. There's no arc. There's nothing. They're just there. They're just props. Right. Adam Roth. Yeah. Did you know that one of Akira Kurosawa's primary influences was American director John Ford who's responsible for films such as, I don't know Searchers, Stagecoach and a billion other ones uh, Wild West mostly um, one of his main influences was John Ford and they did meet once and, because he like kind of idolized him and he said that um, John Ford said, you really like rain, don't you? Uh, nodding to the fact that a lot of his films feature very like rainy scenes or rainy backdrops. And he was just like really pleased that John Ford liked his work. And after they met, it was noted that he dressed similar to John Ford and started to kind of borrow a lot of his techniques and kind of borrow a lot of his influences. Even like you, like things like using the same cast as much as you want you know like people over and over and over again john ford did that and um you know in japan he got a lot of uh beef for this because there were a lot of american influences in his filmmaking a lot of people scoffed at it and he also dealt with um a lot of different uh time periods where we're talking about samurai and a lot of it's in like the height of peace in typical Japanese movies but he was always focusing on these like lower samurai or ronin which are like masterless samurai in slightly different centuries so he was actually you know while he got international had an international breakthrough with this film we're going to talk about today Rashomon um, in his home country he did get a lot of slack for his American influences and his less romantic view of the samurai Wow. Um, well, I I did know that he had Western influences, um, but I didn't know specifically John Ford. Yeah, that's not really one specific thing. I just started going down a rabbit hole because I read a lot about him and his admiration it's, for John Ford. So I was just kind of like, that's, that's good. That's good. Because I've seen a lot of John Ford movies, but I had you know, and I guess I've seen a lot of both both of their their movies. And it's interesting. 
Um, I also thought it was interesting, some of the movies that were, maybe you know more than me, but <clears throat> I know, obviously, Seven Samurai got adapted to the Magnific- Magnificent Seven, and then mm-hmm. Yojimbo got ad- adapted to A Fistful of Dollars, and it's been said that his movie Hidden Fortress is one of the primary influences for Star Wars, even though it's not a direct adaptation. But um, I did know that one. Yeah, I just think... I was surprised you didn't choose Hidden Fortress since it had a Star Wars tie to it. <laughs> um, You know, I... I well, because you could say that Rashomon kind of has a Star Wars tie to it as well, I guess, if you're, if you're looking at uh, the wonderful The Last Jedi. Oh, God. <laughs> what if someone's listening for the first time and they just believe what you just said? Well, it's it's definitely referenced in that movie. I'm not saying it has any bearing on the quality of the movie. What's referenced? Rashomon. In what way? You don't remember? Referenced How in The Last it? Jedi? Kind of, yeah. What are you talking about? The like the we're I don't know. Like how, how Kylo Ren, you know where where Luke was is re, was recounting. I think it was oh, the first I time. Oh, I see what you mean. Done, I know it. The Rashomon style. The yeah. Rashomon style. The Rashomon, you know, uh, phenomenon where you're not you're not exactly sure how a situation was transpired. I guess you're get, like you're getting the account of someone else. I mean that wasn't. That wasn't the worst aspect of that movie. Right. It was um, the same. You know, they, was... they remember the events in a similar fashion, but their the way they their point of view. The point of different. view. Point of from view from a certain point of view. From a certain point of view. Right. Okay, I see that. I guess I was thinking like f- for some reason my head was thinking about you know in this movie Rashomon. There's four points of view, and and you in this one there was just two, but. And another movie we watched recently, uh, um, what was it called? The Last Duel. Right. Oh, yeah. That totally was this style. Yeah. Like, like almost just, yeah, just blatant, blatantly style. So, <laughs> blatant, blatantly runner. Blatant runner. Blatant runner. So, Rashomon, for those that don't know, is a film... A 1950 film by uh, acclaimed director Akira Kurosawa. Do you have a synopsis for me? I mean, I have kind of like a a loose spiel, but like, what? How would you explain this movie? What is this movie all about? Uh, a crime occurred. Something occurred. A crime. And be that nice about it. A crime occurred. Something. Something happened. And Call it what you're it not. Is. What it? What was it? It was a rape murder. Well, we don't, we don't, we don't entirely. Was it rape in every scenario? <laughs> in every permutation. I don't know. It got confusing when the ghost started talking. When the yeah, when the medium started doing its thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll, I won't interrupt your synopsis. Uh, go for it. Well, you're you're basically entreated to three different perspectives on something that happened four uh four you're right bandit Um, bride woodcutter ghost 
Banded Bride, Woodcutter Ghost. Yep. Um, and it's a meditation on ego and I mean, that's, that's about as good as I can do. I was just going to say the, pres- uh, um, what is perceived as a rape of a bride and then a murder of the potential groom um, is recalled from multiple perspectives a bandit bride woodcutter mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. victim themselves through a medium which I thought was an interesting fourth choice or whatever or third choice whatever it was but uh, yeah not which, a super which... complicated premise it was just like there was something happened in the woods and people saw it in different ways Some, and then we learned something about happened in the woods yeah yeah the woods the with mirrors everywhere the mirror the mirrored woods that i was it was it was quite pretty oh totally yeah the movie was shot wonderfully um and i would say my favorite shots were like what i was talking about where john ford said you really like rain i i i really like that he likes rain because he shoots it quite wonderfully like the opening scenes where you're being introduced to these characters who are just kind of contemplating what they just witnessed or think they witnessed the shots of the rain going off the kind of destroyed ruins of this building i thought was like going down like the water's going down the stairs and off the top of the rafters i thought it was just really nicely shot a lot of care went into those shots and do you do you know how they created that rain yeah it was like um that show double dare where they pull the lever except it was water instead of slime close that's not it? it it was it was apparently seven fire engines hmm. that were that just were spraying were hosing it just hosing it down yep that's what i read it's just seven bros that drank a lot of uh mountain dew just hosing it down just hose it like over here boys Baja well, Blast. They did, it. they did it. Sugar-free Baja Blast. That's the rain and it's Rashomon. just chemicals. No more sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you. You did good. You can earn your tacos. That was Rashomon. That that's that's, that's Rashomon. Now that's Rashomon from my point of view. Now that's Rashomon. <laughs> Um, okay, so I like the rain intro. I, okay, so there's no denying. I don't think we're going to argue about the influence that this style and film has had on the industry. Rashomon was a very integral film that brought Japanese cinema like breaking through into the West. It was taken a little bit more seriously. It won all kinds of awards. I think it even won an Academy Award. Um, it was an international breakthrough, and a lot of that's due to this style they had of these different perspectives and um the narrative the overall narrative structure i think it is it's it's quite interesting and i can imagine in 1950 it was mind-blowing because it just hadn't been done yet it's very it's just paving the way for different approaches to storytelling which i think is always good i think that's really cool um i think i think that's important it's important to remember is it's important to remember yeah at the time it was mind-blowing Right, but then what we were reviewing a movie recently, we were like, okay, I think it was The Seventh Seal. Um, That's right. A lot of people talk about this being such, you know, like, you know, because it it did 
trendset, whatever you want to call it. It did do a lot of things that were kind of out of the, the ordinary. And for the time, it was quite amazing. But I just don't know, like, as time goes on, like, now that it's 2022, we're, like, way, way in the future. How how does that viewing experience change? Like, sure, you can nod the importance of it. And, like, I cannot argue with that. But, like, was it entertaining? Was it a good film? Did you like the story, the characters? Like, how how do you feel about this just from a 2022 narrative point of view, not accounting for all of the influence? Which, it's easy to say, of course, but, you know, I don't know. I just uh, wondering, like as a movie, like you just watch Spider Man and then you watch this. How do you feel? It's, it's, it's a little. It's challenging. It is challenging. Right. Um. It's it's a different kind of. It's a different pace. It's a different. It's a different uh, mode of entertainment. Right. Um, and I have respect for a movie like this, but it definitely feels. It's the kind of thing, and I felt this way. I felt this way with Seventh Seal. Um, is it's definitely once it's compressed into one, you know, retrospection experience of retrospection. Um, it's it's interesting to sort of reflect on it because you don't have to work through like paying attention and kind of getting through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, watching the movie, it's it's very different from watching multiverse of madness uh, <laughs> we're being it's it's we're, a, it's we're getting pummeled kind of we're, we're becoming we're just becoming fools <clears throat> um, yeah i mean it's <clears throat> our it's, attention it's spans diff- are very different and the amount of attention that we as viewers give movies is waning as well because think about it <clears throat> i'm not saying we did it this way but a lot of people you know they're not paying attention when the movie's on. They're on their phone or they're multitasking or they're watching it on a small screen like a phone or an iPad. Like movies like this were not intended to be that way. It demanded your attention. It challenged you, like you said. And I, I fear that the the art of giving your all to a movie while the movie's on is just gone. Like I'm not saying it's everybody, but just generally speaking, people aren't as captivated as they used to be they just want to be serviced you know and like get a quick jolt of something whether it's a scare or a romance or an action scene and they're just like just like injected with it and you're like yeah and you just ride a high and then you move on to the next film four hours later right but this movie yeah you're right it demands your attention and it demands pretty keen and close observation you know you have to like kind of pay everything attention. Every every nuance, every you know, everything has meaning. Every single right. thing has meaning. Right, and a lot of it is in in you have to interpret that meaning. It's not just handing it to you. It's not saying like, this is what happened, and this is how you should feel about it. You, it challenges you in the way where you have to think about it and assess it. And it's kind of like going to court and you're on a jury you get people telling you the story about what happened and the crime and different people with different points of view are telling you. So it's very, it's very similar to like a court case. Um, and you have to pay attention. You have to be diligent and you have to like focus to like fully grasp what's going on. But, um, this movie definitely felt, felt like that. I mean, it's, it's interesting that it's like, 
you know, li- likening it to a court case. I mean, there is there is a court case in the movie, right? And you know, they they, they just the sat in grass and talked though, and they talked to they talked to the they talked to the audience, right? You know, they're face they're facing us the whole time. So we're the ones that us, need to decide. We're the yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and there's you know, it's 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 interesting. It's an interesting idea, but in 2022, it definitely takes some work to get through it. At least for me. Um, oh yeah, I can't lie. I was uh, I nodded off like seven times. Aha! I woke up and rewound it though. I didn't I didn't miss a beat. I, I continued yeah. it. No, I'm, but, uh, I I I watched it. Yeah. I think I watched it in two parts. Yeah. Not that it was boring. That this is what gets me about uh, this movie, like the narrative structure and the cleverness of the different points of view, the wonderfully shot, the cool, you know, great cinematography. Like I loved all of these things, but at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm really interested in the characters and the character motives and the character backstories, and I think part of what disconnected me from this movie was we don't really know anything about any of these people like whatsoever like who is the bride and groom where did they come from where are they going what like what are they doing the same with the people just sitting there in the rain like okay that guy cuts wood that guy's a priest like who are these people why should i care about them i it was really hard for me to invest enough of, um, of my energy into the movie to care about what happened like there was never a moment where i was like i really gotta figure this one out like i part of me was just kind of like i don't i don't it sucks it's not good crime but it's like who are these people like i just don't know yeah i i had i could i could i could relate to that um to that perspective um like not even establishing anything they're just kind of like wandering and then all of a sudden, these things are happening, and you're just like, "What?" It's like a bandit jumps out of the woods. He's like, "Ooga booga booga," and you're just like, "What?" And like, but I've no, there's no context. Yeah, I think uh, I I'm definitely glad I watched it. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of this stuff is is stuff that I I wouldn't have been able to get through in film school. Right. Um, but I feel like now I'm like, okay, I'm kind of curious. I'm kind of curious to see these building blocks of the things that, you know, that inspired stuff that I, I really like, right. you know, and it's interesting to sort of look at the DNA, you know, and like, and trace it. Um, but as an actual, as an actual experience, it, it didn't, it didn't blow me away. I would right. say that I even I, w- I would say that I even like this less than I did the Seventh Seal. Same, because the Seventh Seal had interesting. Qu- the characters had some like interesting quirks, and you could tell that there were some interesting relationships. And you know, they're like the main two, like the 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 knight and the the squire are coming from the Crusades on their journey back to the castle. But you know, the squire has these like subtle. He like scoffs and like goes like Bleh, like almost sticks his tongue out. You could tell they have this like tough love relationship, you know, because they kind of add those layers to these characters throughout the film. But in the, in this one, there was just like none of that. Like 
like even the bride and groom there was never a point where i thought they had any interest in each other whatsoever like or maybe it was an organized thing i don't know but it it was just like it felt like they didn't even know each other you know oh yeah i mean and that's compounded by these these um antiquated sort of uh you know the the way the way that he reacted to her you know to her rape you know right. and like and sort of like you know this just be- old world old paradigm shit oh yeah uh, totally it, i mean it's a 1950s movie and it's like yeah the was this character like, was very very weak very abused and just not taken seriously and it, yeah it was tough is is this is this medieval is that when the period is I don't know. It's old, old times. I mean, it didn't look new. No, there were not cars. <laughs> there was no uh, Nintendo. There was no, there was no Nintendo either. Or uh, uh, there wasn't a, a Tamagotchi in their pocket. No Tamagotchi. <laughs> there was no. Uh, um... Um, uh, super soakers. Yeah, I don't remember those either. There's no uh, gack or boppets rolling around the set. So it's safe to say it was not contemporary. Even yeah, there's like... no uh, phloem. Well, think what what would have been in what would have been in 1950. What would have been in there? Flome. Flome. You remember that? Song? You like? Of course. I got a I got a little packet of Flome when I was a kid. It was great. It kind of came apart though. Well. What it didn't come what do you mean apart? Came for apart? You? That was the beauty. You could like piece it together. You you you're supposed to pull it apart. Yeah, but the little there was like little balls, right? Yeah, there's like little styrofoam balls in there that are probably like murdering whales as we speak. Yeah, Getting those stuck in their blowholes. Flome kills whales. Probably. Yeah. E.T. Flome uh, home. Right. <laughs> you can let's talk about uh, Rashomon some more. Um, you know it. Uh, isn't there's not there's not a whole lot for me to bite into with it um i i appreciate it but i don't know that this will go down as as one of my even favorite uh kurosawas yeah no i mean yeah this is one of those classic the influence is strong but the story and characters are kind of weak so it's not um something that i would like really enjoy to rewatch. it's something it's like a history lesson in, in my at this point in my life i'm just kind of like i'm glad i watched it so i could like better understand how this you know dawn kind of happened and you know and the untrustworthy narrator this is kind of probably the dawn of that as well we see that in movies like like joker and totally. stuff where it's just like totally we don't trust any of these people, so like it could be multiple perspectives, or it could just be one perspective, the narrator themselves. But I, I'm sure it has roots in this film as well. Uh, I do have two things I'm interested in hearing your opinion on. One uh-huh. is, um, 
they were all they all confessed to be the murderer Mm -hmm. that's strange to me well I think that it was like a it was like a pride ego thing even in death even the ghost was feeling it so it's like that power like that was a testament to how powerful the ego is you you yeah it's wild no one wanted to be dishonored no one wanted to be looked at as as dishonorable or or a bad fighter or you know it was all this ego pretty bad pretty bad I did like that though, like the purpose. But I think, but like, I think just the winded, shaky, like horrible fight. Yeah. It was clearly intentional. It was kind of like how it really is, probably in most cases. Like you think about these legendary samurai or Ronin, like, you know, masterless battle like, just like the battle ready. But like a lot of these fights were just terrifying, desperate, pleading barely scraping by and you know like a lot of these kills like just like chucking the sword like a spear to get the kill shot it was just like it was very pitiful and sad and it's kind of scary and, and you could tell nobody really wanted to be doing it right that was powerful yeah but again it was it's an extremely minimal movie mm-hmm. you know i think this, for me the standout was the cinematography. Yeah, um, the actors weren't blowing me away or anything. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not exactly. I'm not exactly sure what was being said by, by the end of it. You know, what did you, what did you make of it? What, well, did, what do you think was the statement up. with the with the ba- with the baby? Well, yeah, with the baby. There's no solution. Mm-hmm. There, there was no solution. There was no. Oh, that makes sense. It was just somebody near the end listening to these stories and then seeing this character still willing to help the innocent and still be human after what they saw or did. There was still like an element of this child needs help. I've got a billion kids. What's one more is basically the sentiment at the end. And it gave the priest like renewed faith or something. It was just kind of like, oh, I feel so much better now. I mean, uh, yeah, that person got raped and that guy got murdered, but uh, you want to take care of this baby, so life's not so bad. Yeah, so something like that. Something like that. I, I'm sure someone smarter than me can come up with a better explanation, but it was a little like between the no solution. The multiple self-confessed killers and the general, like, kind of almost abrupt, weird ending with the the abandoned baby at the end. I would, it didn't stick the landing to me. I was just kind of like, okay, later, movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a wrap. Yeah. <laughs> okay, see ya. Yeah. See yeah. ya. Peace. It was fine. It's it's uh hour not even an hour and a half. It was short. Um, It was it was very short movie. Yeah. Are movies just getting longer? Oh yeah, yeah, totally. James Cameron's talking about it right now. He's like, people are gonna complain because Avatar Two is gonna be like sixty-seven hours long or something. 
It's like, at what point should it just be a TV show? But then you get a show like Obi-Wan that comes out, and people are like, that should have been a two-hour tight movie. And it's like, what? What do you want, people? It's like, you do one thing, people want the other. Well, because if it doesn't work, then it's natural to always think, oh, well, the reason it didn't work is because if it was like this, then it would have worked. It was too long. It's not too short. It's not not necessarily... The Snyder Cut. And it's not always, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean, doesn't necessarily mean so. so. To me, it's like a rule book for a board game. Like, I've been designing a few board games lately. And the board I game heard. culture is very specific. But there are games that have really, really thick rule books, like a long movie. Like, it's very, you have to really get into it. It takes a lot of time. You have to set it up. You have to like read the rules you have to understand the rules you have to and then you have to play the game and then there's other games that are just like pick up and play and it's cool and it looks great and it's really fast and it's just like yeah and i think people are gravitating more towards the latter because they're just like experiences that are like fun but the downside to the the long rule book or the long-winded movie is there is a line there is a fine line between telling a good story succinctly and maybe shorter than you have to versus struggling with how to frame something or say something or explain something or build a specific character so some people think more time equals more character development but i i would argue there is an art to it where you can have a really quick short movie like what did we just watch recently five easy pieces or whatever that was that Mm -hmm. wasn't a that wasn't a very long movie was it no but, th- but those characters were very multi-layered kind of, you know, we had some interesting interesting characters throughout there. And you can, get, you can get that in a really short amount of time. You don't need to make that a three-hour movie to understand those characters' motives and their drives and stuff. Like, I got to name a billion movies like that, you know? So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I worry that due to the advent of streaming and television, I think the line between television and movies is kind of blurring a little bit so people are kind of making these long movies that almost need breaks in between them but at what point do they just turn into expensive tv shows right i don't know i'm kind of scared because i think the industry is going through this thing right now where there's a tug and pull between streaming a show and watching a a film and people are confused i think obi-wan's a great example of that like that was initially supposed to be a movie but then it turned into a six-hour show. But then the complaint is, well, there's about four hours of that show that probably didn't need to exist. <laughs> right. Like, what are you gonna do? I don't know. Yeah, I, it's it's uh, it's definitely changing the way that we view content. And you know, I wonder, will we get? Speaking of Rashomon, um, you know. What 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 uh, what what form a new Star Wars movie will take? Right. Taika Waititi will tell us. I guess. And then we're is gonna that, be all excited is... about it. I guess. I think at the end of the day, this movie is boiled down to humans are just not to be trusted. You can't trust them and you can't even trust yourself unless you have some sort of faith or blind faith, if you will. 
like the baby and the guy at the end the guy's like oh I feel better now you're doing something nice when everybody's just been such an asshole so it's like I don't know it's not a really happy message but one could argue that the no solution ending and the open for interpretationness of this movie would just point the arrow back at me and just say well maybe you're just a sad piece of shit and that's how you interpret it I thought it was fun <laughs> like I don't know <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So it makes I, you think. I, it makes you think. That's good, right? Yeah, it gets it gets wheels turning a little bit, but just yeah, I don't know if I'm going to revisit it. Um, I'm not going to write my thesis on it or anything. Like a loser. No. I don't <laughs> like a loser. <laughs> yeah, baby. Eat it. <laughs> yeah, re- <laughs> eat it writing. Have fun yeah. writing all night. Your thesis, you stupid piece of shit loser. <laughs> yeah. Sorry if I tried. listening while writing their thesis about Rashomon. I think I... What did you write your film stuff on? I think... I did a lot of Hitchcock stuff. Um, I, The one paper... I did not fare well in film school. Um, <laughs> but you paid them. I, that's all they care about. That's all they care about. And I got, got I did get through it. The one paper I remember writing that I, I genuinely put my heart and soul into, and and I got a very good grade for it, was about The Exorcist. Interesting. Mine was for the Hitchcock film Stranger on a Train. Have you ever seen that one? No, I never saw that one. I really like it's my favorite Hitchcock film. I love that movie. Stranger on a Train. It's the only Hitchcock movie I own, fun fact. That's I would fun. buy a few I would probably buy a few more. But Stranger on a Train Strangers on a Train is like um a hidden gem in the hit you know, the Vertigo and Psycho and all that stuff uh and birds. Well, who likes birds? Is that a good movie? Like, I never liked that movie. I thought that movie... Like, birds just don't scare me. You can't you can't convince me that birds are going to do anything to me. Stranger on a Train. Yeah. Uh, I'm, looking, I'm looking at it. Don't see any, don't see any actors I know. Well, not, come that on. That means any, not that that means anything. <laughs> I don't see... Uh, <laughs> Doctor Strange isn't in this one. I think I'm going to pass. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to check it out. No Swayze, no Wazy. That that that's my that is one of my sayings. That's I know that's your. If you had a pull string, that'd be one of the things that came out. No Swayze, no Wazy. <laughs> Just like that, like a mobster. Well, hey, yeah. Look here. No Swayze, no Wazy, man. See. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I, I mean, I'm glad I watched it. It's in the old noggin. Uh, its influences are noted, but as a narrative character study, I just not not super interested. For sure, I'm on I'm on the same page as you. But he's got like 146 other movies that we can watch. So I love Seven Samurai. I love um, your Jimbo. There's a there's a bunch of great ones out there. Uh, this is probably not in my top. Whatever. Bo show, but Bo show. Bo show. glad I watched it. Yeah. Check. Check. 
We've been doing some oldies. We've we've been in the seventies and the fifties lately. It's cool. Yeah. Nice break. We'll be we'll be back soon. We'll see what comes next. It's probably like Thor, Love and Thunder, (laughs) up next. Rashomon. Yeah, Rashomon and Thor, Love and Thunder. Show me another podcast that's covering this wide gamut of film. I don't know. I don't know either. Popcorn and Soda, baby. We don't even say the name of this thing. It's called Popcorn and Soda. We just start talking. It's like a phone call. Anyway, what are you going to say? What was I going to say? I don't know. Probably nothing. It's a good bet. (laughs) (laughs) One I will not take. (laughs) I got $10 on something. It's going to be something. I can guarantee that. (laughs) Will it? Maybe not. Could could just be dead air. (laughs) Tune in. (laughs) Tune in to find out. (laughs) <laughs> Tune in or don't to find out. <laughs> uh, okay, well, we'll call it a day, I guess. All right, Rashomon. Rashomon. Good one. Good one. All right, All right. see you later, Adam Roth. Yep. I'm out of here. See you later, Jason Fury.